health wasn't really on the agenda, but over over eighty five percent of the papers were about health. They keep saying that oh, there's no health there's no health effects associated with these bioeffects, which I I completely disagree with. My colleagues say, well, look, hang on, wait a minute. This low power density, it can't interact at the atomic level, and therefore it can't break covalent bonds. So how how can it how can it cause DNA damage? And I said, well, yeah, it does, but it does it indirectly. It's reacting at the molecular level and actually um, changing uh, electrons on protein chains and uh, breaking breaking those chains. And it causes, and one of the overwhelming uh, bits of evidence is um, if you look down here, you'll see oxidative stress, reactive oxygen, free radicals. There's 256 papers in that area. It creates what, what are called reactive oxygen species. And the body has to deal with those. And we, we, it happens naturally as well. But uh, the, this is another stressor. It adds to what uh, our bodies have to deal with on a daily basis. This actually adds another stress level to that. Now, I'm not a biologist or a biochemist, but they tell me that uh, people who, uh, children, for example, um, the elderly, people like me, old people, um, who their immune system is actually dampening down and they're, um, and people who are unwell are, are going to be more affected by this technology. This episode is part two of a series where you will hear Theodore Scarato, Executive Director of the Environmental Health Trust, interview retired radiation health physicist Victor Leach. This is the Environmental Health Trust podcast. EHT is a scientific nonprofit committed to creating a healthy and safe environment. EHT scientists publish research, translate the science, and work to raise awareness about environmental toxins, health, and telecom industry influence. Our vision is a world where technology is both revolutionary and safe. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter at ehtrust.org to receive the latest science regarding wireless technology and health. We just recently in Australia, we had a parliamentary inquiry and um, which um, uh, the parliamentary inquiry, the, uh, the health wasn't really on the agenda, but over over 85% of the papers were about health and uh, the parliamentary inquiry, you can see there, there were 24 witness groups who had 45 minutes each. These were all um, for the technology, and um, we 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 had uh, we had 15 minutes to talk, a very short term time, and there were only six groups there. Um, so they didn't really want to talk about health. They said, "Oh, that it's all it's all um, it's not a problem. It, it's um, you know the economic standard covers that." Um, a Panzer here in Australia, who who are the uh, pseudo regulator, they. Um, and I say they're pseudo-regulated because they're not the real regulator. They're a bit like the FCC in in um, in, in America. Um, the uh, the real regulator is the Australian Communications Media Authority, and they select the standard they want. So here we have a situation in Australia, and I think the same in America, is where the um, we've got the the uh, fox in charge of the chickens. So um, and so they select the standard that they want. 
and um, and uh, they've selected the Apanza standard, which is, which is the ICNIRP standard. And there's a reason why Apanza has selected that standard, because um, they're a Commonwealth authority and they, they are um, uh, in charge of uh, Commonwealth safety. And um, you've got to remember within the Commonwealth, um, that's the federal government, there are, there are some uh, fairly risky things they do in uh, in health laboratories and that. So they need a standard that, that allow them to do the maximum amount of research or uh, uh, not to be impeded. So they this um, PANSA standard is the ICNIRP standard, which um, the FCC in is basically the IEEE standard. They're they're all sort of related. They're all basically talk, um, uh, ignoring all the bio effects. Uh, in the non-thermal area, and um, they um, they keep saying that oh, there's no health there's no health effects associated with these bio effects, which I I completely disagree with. You know, I'd like to add that the Arpanza website up until 2020 recommended that reduce that parents reduce exposure to their children. It stated that on the fact sheets. Uh, and now that's been removed as of this year, that information has disappeared from the Arpanza website. And I'll put in the chat the before and after. So something's changing over there as well. So I'm looking forward to hearing what the outcome of the inquiry has been. Well, this inquiry, as I said, it wasn't a health inquiry. So it, it actually ended up being basically a tick in the box for the industry. So um, there, was, there was health, Health really uh, wasn't on the agenda. It was about what uh, what this industry can do for in terms of um, economics. Um, so the ORSA database. So the thing that we that most struck us, and this is um, really really important, was that um, we when we looked at the the data, and we looked when. Uh, it, researchers actually classify the data, do experiments. They either use real mobile phones, they put the real mobile phones in the, in the, in the animal cage. And uh, yeah, most of these experiments are rats and mice, but um, there are some primates in there as well. So they put the mobile phone in the animal cage and they use a real mobile phone. The other thing they do it, it, to, um, they use simulated signals and these are not real mobile phone signals. And you can see real mobile phone signals, they vary in intensity quite dramatically. And, um, and what, what you're not told is that these are highly modulated signals. They contain um, two hertz, uh, GSM's got two hertz, uh, 8.33 hertz. Uh, Tetra, which is used for emergency services, got 16.7 16 hertz. Now all these low frequency, um, all these low frequency, um, um, impressed uh, on the on the carrier wave if you if you've got you've got the carrier wave and then on top of that you've got these these frequencies um, and the the main one is 217 hertz which is the um, data frame the repetition rate and uh, gsm 5g they're going to be using they're sticking with a, this still sticking with this frame rate now when they do these simulated signals that's the only one they put in there to 217 hertz. They don't put any of this other low frequency stuff in there. So it's, um, it's, it's a very, it is that, it's a simulated signal. 
And um, so when you look at the animal studies in vivo animal studies, you get 120 effect studies with, with real mobile phones and you get 18 no effect studies and 11. Now this is coming out of the ORSA database. So we classified the papers into effect, no effect and uncertain. And so that's very clear that real mobile phone signals are very bioactive. And the same with the cell studies, you can, you can look at them. But when you go across to simulated signals, it's not so clear. It's, it's looking more at 50-50. So the papers, the papers um, and these are pulse, these are using pulse. The, the other thing too is they use uh, continuous waves, which actually most of those studies show no effect. Uh, because if you can imagine, if you've got your body is being uh, hit uh, with a regular pattern of wave, your, your biological systems adapt. And so they cope with that. But once you've got this very, very intermittent be, uh, wave behaviour, you've got a, 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 a leading edge and you've got a trailing edge, which generate a physiological response. You, you, these, 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 this is the problem. This pulsing is a problem. But on top of that, you've also got these other frequencies which are very low frequencies that our biology is very, very attuned to. Um, so that was actually quite a, quite a surprise for us. And, um, and we noticed that we then looked a bit harder in the literature and we found that Dimitri Panagopoulos in Greece also found the same thing with studies. He was studying flies and also noticed the same thing, that the, the pulsing appeared to be um, make these signals very bioactive. Um, so what, what, do we, what do we find when we look at the ORSA database? We can actually summarise the papers. As, as I said to you, we, uh, this is not like EMF portal or um, uh, PubMed. We actually um, uh, look at the outcomes. Um, there are 52 papers on brain cancer. Most of those are epidemiological papers. Uh, you can see there uh, brain tumours, 52 papers. I'll go down here, gene altered gene expressions. There's 160 papers uh, which show altered gene expressions. Um, you, you can go and select those papers. You can go into a database and do a query and select all those papers and put them in a spreadsheet and go and look at them. You know? this, is what, this is what we've done. If you look at um, DNA damage, mutagenic uh, genotoxic, 157 papers in that area. Now, a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of... Um, uh, my colleagues say, well, look, hang on, wait a minute. The, the, these, um, uh, these, this, low, this low power density, uh, uh, it, it, look, it, it's, it can't interact at the atomic level and therefore it can't break covalent bonds. So how, how, can it, how can it cause DNA damage? And I said, well, yeah, it does, but it does it indirectly. It's reacting at the molecular level and actually um, changing uh, electrons on protein chains and uh, breaking, breaking those chains. And it causes, and one of the overwhelming uh, bits of evidence is um, if you look down here, you'll see oxidative stress, reactive oxygen, free radicals. There's 256 papers in that area. It creates what, what are called reactive oxygen species. 
and the body has to deal with those. And we, we, it happens naturally as well. But uh, the, this is another stressor. It adds to what uh, our bodies have to deal with on a daily basis. This actually adds another stress level to that. Now, I'm not a biologist or a biochemist, but they tell me that uh, people who, uh, children, for example, um, the elderly, people like me, old people, um, who their immune system is actually dampening down and they're, um, and people who are unwell are, are going to be more affected by this technology. Um, so that the, the doctors and biochemists and biologists tell me that. And, you know, what's really interesting is that ICNERB has really no, um, no doctors on their panel. And they did have one. And she was actually from Australia, here in Queensland. And, but she's a, a UV specialist. She's a skin specialist. She hasn't really uh, looked in. She's, she's on the panel, but she's on there. On, you've got to remember, ICNERP also cover UV as well, non-ionising radiation and lasers, uh, but there, but she's on the panel for her UV experience, not on her panel for her RF experience. So they've got one person, right? Whereas if you look at the other organisation, the International Commission on Radiological Protection, now it sounds like the International Commission for Non-Ionising Radiation Protection, the, the, the two acronyms sound the same, ICRP and uh, ICNERP, they sound the same, but they're completely different organisations. They, they've really got nothing to do with one another. And the, the ICRP was set up in 1928. Now, they write guidelines for X-rays and gamma rays, and they were set up by, by radiographers mainly and radiologists and um, uh, doctors. They had very few uh, physicists. They did have a few, but they were in the minority. So when they set up those standards or guidelines for X-rays and gamma rays, they were very cautious in the way they, uh, particularly with low dose, low dose ionising radiation, <coughs> they were they were very cautious. Um, <clears throat> whereas, um, oh sorry, I'm just uh, they were they were um, they were very cautious in the way they, they, they set up those standards. And particularly when it came to low dose ionizing radiation, those X-rays and gamma rays. So you've got to remember that we're actually, we've got potassium 40 in our skeleton. We've got radium in the soil. We've actually, we've evolved with these primordial radionuclides. They're in the environment, our, our biology is involved with it. This stuff, this man-made, radio frequency stuff, radiation. We haven't evolved with that. So it, it's, it's a lot more hazardous, particularly at the low, low, um, low exposures, low power density. It's much more hazardous than say ionizing radiation where we've got this adaptive response. Um, we do see adaptive response also with, um, with uh, non-ionizing radiation as well. But so this this um, this painted a picture for us, and um, when when you look, as I said, th these are some of the categories um, that you see effects in um, increased oxidative stress. I talked about there, uh, neurodegeneration, uh, alteration in in um, neurotransmitter levels, 
um, blood breaches of the blood-brain barrier, cognitive impairment function, mitochondrial di di dysfunction. These are, again, this is the mitochondria, um, uh, um, the energy production uh, within the cell um, is affected. Uh, DNA damage, we see that. Um, damage to sperm, um, cardiovascular disease. There's a whole host. Now, how anyone can dismiss all these bio-effects of not having any health imp implications is, is beyond me, absolutely beyond me. I just don't understand it. How you can ignore these non-thermal effects is just, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. Um, and this is, just to give you a bit of an idea, this is uh, from our database. These, these are non-thermal effects. Uh, papers uh, where the where the SAR level is less than two watts per kilogram. That's the that's the um, uh, that's the level uh, which your mobile phone um, is um, has got to comply with. And so when you look at all the papers in animal studies, and these mainly rats and mice in this non-thermal area, this way below way below the ignorant um, limit. 69% of all those papers show biological effect and 64% um, show no effect and there's uncertain effects. Um, but that's overwhelming evidence that uh, this is affecting uh, biology. And this, this is interesting, this slide, because um, some countries like um, China, India, Poland and, and Ru Russia is an interesting one because they... they um, the media jumps all over that. Uh, oh, the, the Russians, you know, <laughs> reds under the bed. You know, they they want a lower they want a lower uh, a lower level because um, you know they're trying to damage you know uh, the um, the economics of uh, the free world. You know, uh, this is all nonsense. These these countries have selected a lower standard because of the uncertainty. They've looked at the biological effects and decided. Look, we're going to set a level 100 times lower. We think it's more prudent to do that. It's more precautionary. Um, and we've also, Paris and Rome have also been more precautionary. Now, this slide here is from Ericsson. This is an Ericsson slide uh, at, at a meeting of the International Telecommunications Union. And they pointed out, at the, the this presenter pointed out um, his name's down the bottom there. You can go and look it up. You can download this. It's, it's freely available on the net. He pointed out that, look, if, if we've got the 5G antennas on the top of these buildings, this is, this. if you look at um, the limit, which is 100 times lower in these, in these countries, we're going to have a problem with this, trying to roll out this technology. This is, um, this is going to cause us a, a problem. So what's the solution to that, this problem? ICNERP decided in their latest release of their standard to relax those standards, right? To, to allow for this to happen. That, that, is, that, that is very scary. Um, when, you, um, when you look at the papers and you, you, when, when we've done this in the AUSA database, we've said, who's funding this? And we've categorized um, whether industry's funding it or whether um, 
government's funding it or, or uh, and a lot of the papers don't actually say who's funding it so this is the big unknown here unless they specifically say in the paper we are being funded by so-and-so they just they might write some glib statement like uh, no conflict of interest well they, they'll go into this no unknown because they haven't specifically stated it so we're looking at where they actually specifically state they're being funded by industry or they're being funded by government or the institutions funding we've actually we've actually ticked a box and and that's on one of our screens and and so you can see here when government funded and institutions funded it's overwhelmingly uh, an effect study uh, the the scientists report that look we've, we've found an effect um, whereas when industry funds it um, there's no effect study I should have also said within our database we actually asked a panza for all their papers and they actually provided it to us in a text file. So within our database, we've got all the panza papers that they've collected over the years. We've also got uh, Henry Lai's um, collection of papers. They're also in our database as well and they've been categorised. And Henry Lai also, um, he categorised the papers into effect and no effect. And, and we line up with him. There's about 18 papers that we disagree. We think he's got the wrong classification. But we have another we have another category which we call uncertain effects, which he didn't didn't have. So a lot of those 18 papers fall into this uncertain area, where it, you know. So um, yeah. So just to to say, you know, it's a it's a complete for the RF. Um, RF studies, it's a very complete database, very complete uh, uh, picture of all the, all the scientific papers out there. Something that's often missed as well is that the institutions are funded or the departments are funded by industry. I know in the United States, we have several uh, universities where Sprint, AT&T, Verizon, they're funding the, whole, the entire program yeah, and that's one not of the, noted on the papers. Yeah, one of the one of the problems we've got the universities here in Australia, and I think it'd be the same in America, is that unless industry is funding the research, it's not going to get done. Uh, and that's a that's a real problem because our universities are saying, well, you know, we're not going to do the research until somebody coughs up the money. Um, that's certainly not true in places like Iran and Turkey. Um, they seem to do research which is um, uh, in, uh, not not sort of um, being driven by dollars. Um, so the research, the, the days where um, researchers in Australia did uh, work uh, on the basis they were given a grant to do research is, is over. The National Health and Medical Research Council here in Australia, which gets money gets uh, some money from industry, a levy, which is levy uh, from industry. And they uh, also, um, they, they get um, a grant from government. It's basically about a million dollars a year. They get um, uh, $600,000 from industry and about $400,000 from, um, from government. So they get a million dollars a year to do research in this area. Now, the, the research that's done in this area is all psychological research. It's all being done at Wollongong University by Rodney Croft. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not animal research. They're not doing any animal research. 
And the, the last time they funded an animal research program was um, down in South Australia, one of the universities down there. And the, the um, emeritorious professor who was doing that work uh, on, I think they were using rats. I can't remember now. It's something, um, it was a rat experiment. She, at the end of the, um, at the end of the research program, she said, look, we, we see, we see effects here. Um, look, we'd like to continue on and do more research on this. And they said, no, no, there's no more funding for that. The interesting thing, the panel that decided where the money was going, one of the people on that panel was uh, an industry person um, because they, they were putting in money into, into the research. They were also trying to direct it in a certain area. So all the research that's been done in Australia has all been psychological research, research that on provocation studies, you know. So a lot of that money has been wasted as far as I'm concerned, um, which is um, uh, the, the industry has also said, look, um, we don't need to continue to fund this type of research anymore through the National Health and Medical Research Council. We, we've got our answer. The answer is ICNIB standard. We haven't got a problem. There's no, no health outcomes associated with this. So we're going to actually cut that funding. So it's going to get very interesting in the next year or so when that funding actually dries up completely. So there'll be absolutely no research in Australia being done in this area. So this is a real problem because um, as I said, uh, we're, um, most of the universities now are wedded to uh, where the dollars are coming from. This is interesting research. And uh, I've been uh, communicating with Hans uh, Gusning. He's, um, he's a Netherlands scientist who uh, has been looking at biocompatibility and um, frequency windows um, where, the, where the, and these dots are actually papers. So he's gone through and looked at the paper, uh, the research in a particular frequency area, and he's got these bands of, bands of frequencies that are, that are uh, as a result of his modeling. And, um, and he spent the last 20 years doing research in this area with another colleague. And um, they, have a, um, they have an algorithm to work out whether the effects uh, of a particular frequency can be beneficial or detrimental. The green areas are beneficial, the dots are papers, and he's put them into various areas. Now, this is low frequency stuff. This is 418, uh, you know, these are 249 hertz to, to 487 hertz. So he's been looking in the low frequency area. He's also started to look at the higher frequencies, the communication frequencies, and he's noticed the same sort of banding. His, this model that he's got is actually quite a good model. And um, it, I don't, <laughs> this is, uh, he talks about quantum entanglement. He talks about uh, quantum physics. Look, I haven't done that for 50 years. <laughs> so this is, this is all uh, ancient uh, knowledge, you know, uh, some of the, when I read, when I read his papers, I think, oh, gee, this is really over my head. But, um, but this, this uh, theory that he's got actually looks to be quite a good theory. And um, as I said, he's been working on it for 20 years and he, he wants to continue doing this work, but, but now finds that um, it looks like the research funding is drying up in this area. But um, this is actually quite, 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 quite interesting work, and um, we we should be we should be investing in looking at um, biocompatibility 
of these signals you know what are is there um can we make these signals more biocompatible uh is there is there a way of doing that and um i've i spoke to people about um uh besides uh, uh, rf transmitting these signals uh through wireless at rf frequencies you can also do the same thing uh, at um you can also do the same thing with with light um, and uh, there's, there's an emerging technology called li-fi which is light fidelity and um, i've noticed siemens now are actually looking at this commercially and the, the thing about that is the digital signals can be uh, put through um, lighting systems but most of the street lighting these days was all digital i got a friend who's a lighting engineer and he said look Vic, you know why, why, why are you building all these towers everywhere? You've actually got, um, you've got the infrastructures already there. You've got all the street lighting is all digital. You could, you could put the pulses in the lighting. And I said, oh yeah, but what about ambient lighting? Well, that's not a problem either. So there's a, there's a whole area of research there that needs to be looked at. Other people have said, oh yeah, but you know, light, <laughs> light also can affect biology. Um, having all these pulse signals um, at, at these light frequencies, you know, what, what's the research in that area? How does that affect um, our, our skin, you know, absorption, you know? So that, but, it, but it's, it, it's interesting to me that, that we don't have to build it, the infrastructure, it's already there, you know? We've actually got it. Most people have got digital lighting in their homes. We really should be looking at the biocompatibility of these signals and how, how we should be changing the technology um, in the RF area to make them more biocompatible. And, um, and there, uh, so this is my last slide basically, which says um, on one side, we've got um, 5G, the internet of things, instant movie downloads, driver's cars. Yeah, Wi-Fi and nappies, <laughs> in nappies or uh, diapers as you call them. I mean, you know, we, we um, that should be banned. I mean, the, we we banned X-ray machines. You, you, a lot of people probably don't know, but uh, after the war, they had machines that um, you could step on with your with your feet inside the shoe, and you could look down and see an X-ray of your your foot in the shoe and see how well it fitted your shoe. But it was also radiating your gonads as well. Uh, so they they uh, ICRP, that other organisation I talked about, um, regulate x-rays and gamma rays they they said look um there's an optimization process here there's no benefit the, the benefit is really small compared with the detriment and um therefore um you know these machines should be banned and they were they were taken off the market so where's the where's the um where's the regulator saying hey look wi-fi nappies isn't a good idea uh it might be might be okay for uh, baby boys who the, you know sperm sperm their um, function hasn't, uh, the testicles haven't really developed and they're not producing sperm. But with girls, they've got all the eggs on board. You know, this is, uh, there's no benefit in this. It's all we can see is detriment. Therefore, we should ban Wi-Fi and nappies. It's not a good idea. You know? And so this, this sort of technology, um, there's nobody policing it. It's with having a standard that ICNERP's got, uh, which is set in basically the levels are set in the stratosphere. 
there's there's no um, there's no optimization process. There's no um, because the levels are so high, you're never going to exceed them. And uh, if you the technology starts to uh, increase the background levels, well, that, that's easy. We just we just pop the level up again, <laughs> you know. So we're under it. I mean, this is just nonsense. And and particularly, the, there's no discussion about you know the effect on wildlife. There's lots of papers on on birds uh, navigation being affected by this technology and bees in particular, because once the once the frequency is uh, the same, uh, the wavelength is the same as the object. You actually get maximum power transfer. So uh, this is a real worry. Water and oxygen, you know, there are resonant frequencies uh, that they've got to be worried about, particularly when you get into the um, into, into the um, millimeter waves. So there's a whole. Um, so on one side you've got humanity or the world. <laughs> And uh, and you've got the other side, 5G. Where's the optimization? Uh, in as I said, in X-rays and gamma rays, we actually sit down and we think, well, okay, here are the benefits. Here are the de- here's the detriment. Where's the weighing of that? It's we don't have to with with this technology because we've got the ICNERP have got it in the stratosphere. We don't have to weigh up the optimization. It's 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 not part of their process. Risk management isn't part of their process. They don't, they don't, they just ignore it. And they say now it protects everyone. Uh, it, there's, there's no, no, when I say, pro, no, I shouldn't say protect. It, 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 um, there's, there's, it, there's no, there's no problem. It, 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 this standard now is suitable for everyone. There's, there's no, there's not a problem. We don't we don't have to worry about um, the ch- children and the elderly uh, and um, people who are sick. We don't we don't have to worry about that because um, this standard this standard copes with that. This this standard is um, covers that. And a precautionary approach, we don't have to look at that either. That's that's not a problem. You know, we we've got that covered in this standard. The standard was set decades ago based on animal studies where they had a a thermometer um, in the animal. The animal had a behavioral disruption, which they identified at four watts per kilogram. Mm. And since then, that limit has not changed as what they've identified as the level of adverse effect. And every study that comes along that shows an effect, they say does not count for this reason or that. They criticize or as was done in the case of Dr. Henry Lai, they war game the science. Mm. And even though that, that limit was never set based on trees, bees, you know, insects, mm. our natural environment. And that's been raised a lot now uh, in the European Parliament just had a, a, uh, a panel presentation on this issue. And there was some presentation on impacts, impacts to plants and bees mm. But then just yesterday, or actually my morning uh, in the United States, was a panel presentation on the disinformation campaign with mostly people tied to industry and ignorant mm. members. Well, a, a panzer here in, in Australia, they, they say, oh, look, this technology is um, safe because um, uh, we, 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 we use it in radar guns. Uh, we use it at airport, airport scanners. Hang on, wait a minute. 
you get in an airport scanner, you, you're, uh, it's five seconds, 10 seconds scan. You're, you're out of there. You know, this isn't, this, 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 this isn't comparable. This is misinformation. You know, our, our um, pseudo regulator is telling us that, that this technology is equivalent to being scanned at an airport, um, going in an airport scanner. You know, this we're going to be irradiated 24/7, and and that the, the Russians came to that opinion um, two decades ago when ICRP had a workshop and they invited the uh, the head of uh, the Russian um, Russian Radio, uh, Radiation Protection Bureau along, and um, in, in that workshop um, they said, look, uh, you know, we, we, we'd like the standard, the ICNIP standard, or the heating standard, the acute heating standard, but to be adopted all around the world, you know, and you're, you're, you're the only, only country which is holding out against it. Um, and he said, well, you know, the, the um, six-minute ICNIRP standard isn't applicable to population densities, which are getting exposed 24-7 at much, much lower power densities. We don't know what the biological effect is, but we can see from all the science that the, these bioeffects are real. These non-thermal bioeffects are real at these low power densities. So we're going to select a standard 100 times lower, and that so that that was their that was their reasoning that this this um, ICNIRP short-term heating standard is not is not applicable. To what people are getting exposed to 24/7 at a much much lower power density, so um, and that's where that's 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 been our focus. The these non-thermal effects, and um, they're real. They're real. But ICNIRP say, well, you know, these exposures uh, don't have any health implications. The body is able to adapt, and it's interesting in their 2002 statement. Uh, they said um, different groups in the population may have differences in their ability to tolerate a particular non-ionising radiation exposure. For example, children, the elderly, and some of the chronically ill people might have a lower tolerance for one or more forms of non-ionising radiation than the rest of the population. Now, this is ICNIRP 2002, right? Under such circumstances, it may be useful or necessary to develop separate guidelines for different groups that children and the elderly and people in, in hospitals, separate groups within a general population. Uh, but it may be effective to just adjust the guidelines for a general population to include these groups. In other words, lower it to include these groups. Now, that statement in 2002 that ICMA had in, this, in their guidelines has been removed. This standard now protects everyone. You know? This, this is nonsense. To learn more about why and how to reduce exposure to cell phone and wireless radiation, as well as HALT 5G, visit ehtrust.org. If you find our podcast and materials useful, please donate to EHT. Your tax-deductible donation makes the difference for our nonprofit. Join us on Patreon to participate in webinars, and be sure to sign up for our monthly newsletter. Thank you for listening.